Hurry up, your favorite show's about to start. Grab a Capri Sun, some Dunkaroos, and settle in for another episode of The Millennial Movie Club. Hey, welcome to the Millennial Movie Club spooky edition for the month of Spooktober. How many ridiculous Halloween themed things can I pack into this intro? Let's find out. My name is Jazz Zapatos. When I was a kid, my mom always used to be the room mom for the class Halloween party. And she used to make this little box where you have to, she would grab your hand and stick it in there. And she'd be like, these are eyeballs. And it would be like a bowl of grapes. And it would be like, this is brains. And it would be like a bowl of spaghetti. Needless to say, I get my flair for the spooky from Mama's app. Wow. Love that. I've never done that one of those, but it sounds terrifying. I've heard about this thing that people do, but I've never done it either, and I really want to. Okay. I would definitely do it. Yeah. yeah. I'm coming over. I'm doing yeah. it. <laughs> we'll make some pasta with stick of hands in it. Yeah. Pasta and grapes. <laughs> and my name is Dan Levine, and my fun fact is when I was a kid, I watched The Ring at my friend Carter's house, and we were having a sleepover, and he went to sleep, and I just sat there for like an hour, and then I had to call my mom, and she had to pick me up because I was too scared to sleep there. That sounds right. Aww. It. <laughs> Scared the shit out of me. So scary. So incredibly scary. scary. Hello, hello. My name is Douglas Wydick. And uh, my millennial movie club nostalgia fact is that I was on the Rosie O'Donnell show three times when I was nine, (gasps) 10, and 11 years old for Harry Potter trivia. Oh my God. Do you have a favorite Harry Potter trivia question? Um, Okay, Hippogriff. Do you bow or pat its beak? If there's a hippogriff to get on it. You bow. I think bow. I believe it's Paddett's beak. Now I'm forgetting. You know what? Now I'm honestly disappointed in myself (laughs) that I'm not remembering this stuff because I like came in swinging hard. Uh, But I think it's Paddett's beak. (laughs) Let's fact check right now. I'm doing it right now. I got it. Wait, you do have to pat it speak. Okay, I literally thought I was losing my mind for a second. Man, why do I remember there being some bowing? Me too. I think it bows to you, and then you pat it speak. Oh, that's gotta be it. It has to bow to you to show you that it's okay to approach and pat it Yes, that's what it was. Have you taken the official Harry Potter Hogwarts sorting quiz, like through Pottermore? <sighs> yeah, I think I was like a Hufflepuff, which was no big surprise. Of but course also, you were. like, everybody wants to be the hero of their own story. So, of course, you're yeah. like, I want to be a Gryffindor. I don't want to be a pencil pushing Ravenclaw <laughs> or a mid beta cuck Hufflepuff <laughs> but <laughs> but alas here we are you're forgetting my house Hufflepuff. Right oh a sociopath <laughs> yeah Hufflepuff oh my god I've never thought of that before that's so really funny um, yeah no I never f- f- the evil right wing sociopathic <gasps> Slytherins oh, yeah. god. but you know what they're real they deal in reality they don't indulge in magical thinking so that's why they win so much. That's a good Ugh. point. They don't have to play by the rules, really. Right. Yep. I mean, I am a Slytherin, and I will say not because I'm right wing, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, because I'm not, to be clear, but because it's like that cunning charm, the wittiness, definitely the most sexual of all the houses, without a doubt. Slytherins have big 
crazy sex parties for sure. People are like, well, they're all evil. I'm like, they're not all evil. Just the ones in the movie are evil. And we just don't see the other ones because they're probably in their chambers just going at it. Such a Slytherin thing to say. There's moderate. (laughs) Moderate Slytherin. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Center right Slytherin. Right. Center right, yes. Yeah, I'm a Scorpio Slytherin, so it's like a whole nother level of dark sexual shit. But, you know, that's another podcast. Wow. Thank you for joining us on the pod today, Douglas. Of course. Doug is a musical comedian in New York City. You can find him at any Ina Garden book signing. He is a co-founding member of North Coast and founder of Very Own Song. He is one of the most talented improviser slash musical improviser slash freestyle rappers I have literally ever known. Perhaps I'll spit some fire on the track for us tonight. I don't think I said that right, but he also won first place in Little Mr. Cheddar competition in Wisconsin. Hmm. One of these things is not like the other. (laughs) We just just played three truths and a lie. Can you guess which part of Doug's bio I made up? I almost fell out of the chair because I did win a talent competition during the pandemic online that um, Anna Roisman was running. And I I thought you were about to randomly quote that. And then I was like, oh, no, this is insane and i love it <laughs> remember before the show and you told me to blatantly make up something in your bio well your yep. wish is my well you command. did it and it was great <laughs> little mr i won the little mr cheddar competition in my lucid dreams last night as i laid there <laughs> there's something there that's like a night before it was the night before halloween right. before the cheddar contest and all children felt better there was one boy who was mr cheddar there, you go. there we go let's go it begins i can already tell i'm gonna be screaming with laughter on the episode speaking of screaming there we, we go. are gonna be talking up get ready for all of the most terrible segues you've ever <sighs> heard douglas because that's kind of a game on this podcast we are gonna be talking about definitely the scariest movie we've ever done on this podcast and that is scream the original <laughs> i hate to say this last time and i feel bad about saying it again i've never seen scream before this neither had i Really? You know I wouldn't have. I'm chicken shit. Yeah, I don't know. Doug, had you seen this movie before? I saw it when I was like five or six years old. Like I didn't watch it then. (laughs) I think I knew it existed and then watched it later, like years later when I was nine or ten. As I was watching it last night, I honestly was like, oh, I think I didn't finish this or I was too scared. Because it is a genuinely scary and funny movie at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it takes some twists and turns and the cameos are so high level. And we'll get Mm -hmm. into all this. But Mm -hmm. the short answer is I do not have an active working memory of the movie besides Drew Barrymore. Right. I used to see the scream mask like in my house. Like I was that scared of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was like haunting me in my home and then everyone our age was that for halloween for like a million years after it's an easy costume it is effective shall we set the scene please let's go the description of this movie reads the sleepy little town of woodsboro just woke up screaming there's a killer in their midst who's seen a few too many scary movies Suddenly, nobody is safe as the psychopath stalks victims, taunts them with trivia questions, (laughs) then rips them to bloody shreds. 
It could be anybody. Succinct. Wow. Really good. And it gives a little bit away that I'm surprised by in that description. I know. Which part? I think it gives a little bit of like where it's heading. Like the turn I think so. at the end. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. They've seen a few too many scary movies. That narrows it down really to like two people in my mind. But we'll get into it. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, I, the movie was directed by Wes Craven. He's considered the master of horror. He did uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, The Last House on the Left, The Hills Have Eyes. Flocked. He just uh, was famous for slasher films. It was written by Kevin Williamson, and the original screenplay was called Scary Movie, which is funny, and he wrote Scary Movie 2 and 3. After it was purchased by Miramax, the screenplay, he had to remove a lot of the gorier content, but then as soon as Wes Craven was hired on, he convinced the studio to put it back in. So uh, it was probably pretty helpful for Mr. Williamson. Yeah. Damn. And so just to go through the cast really quick, it was kind of like a turning point in terms of casting for horror in general, because there usually wasn't any kind of like known actors, but they had a bunch of well-known actors in here. And that was maybe why it was so successful. You know, it was $15 million budget and $173 million box office. So it, it crushed it. Insane return. Insanity. It's still the highest grossing slasher films if you do it for adjusted dollars. And so we've got Neve Campbell as Sydney. She was in Artie Afraid of the Dark. I didn't know that. Aww, love. The Craft, All the Screams, Wild Things, Party of Five. Got Courtney Cox as Gail Weathers. It was in Friends and Ace Ventura, of course. Uh, David Arquette as Deputy Dewey. He's giving major sketch comedian vibes. Oh, <laughs> yeah, big, big time. And giving never been kissed energy the whole time, too. Yes. Like, yeah. you're like, oh, this is the same character. He's doing him, yeah. What a confused character this was. I didn't know where it was going. No idea. We've got Skeet Ulrich uh, as Billy. He was in The Craft. As soon as I saw him, I just thought of him in As Good As It Gets. Oh. Oh, him and Jamie Kennedy, now that I think about it. Right. Wow. Yeah. You just jogged a serious memory. What do they call it? What's the term? Core memory a unlocked. Core memory. <laughs> we need that on the soundboard, P.S. Oh, I'll get that. Okay. And uh, the producers thought he was perfect because he just kind of looks like Johnny Depp. He does. As he appeared in Nightmare on Elm Street. Major I couldn't get over Johnny it. Depp vibes. I, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Or even that. like Crybaby, but like a less cartoony version. He kind of sounds like him at times. Yeah. So that makes total Uncanny. sense. Yeah. Drew Barrymore, just in the beginning of this, uh, you know, we know her from everything. And apparently her <laughs> involvement in the cat. What was that? Did I fuck up? No, I just laughed because all you said was she's in everything yeah. and it's true. <laughs> it's just we've done we've done so many movies we've with her so now. We've done so many like, movies with her. Well, we don't need to. We know what she's in. <laughs> yeah. And apparently she was able to get a lot of the other actors to, to be oh, in this wow. movie, which is cool. And uh, she had to take a smaller role because she was doing uh, she had an unexpected commitment. A smaller role. She was role going to be Sydney Prescott. The original role yeah. she was meant to play. She was supposed to be Sydney. Yeah. But then they thought this is really cool because we'll kill off like a really big name actress and it'll be famous and it was like within the oh, first yeah. 10 minutes of the movie i was shocked by how little she was in this movie considering she's like the main person you think of when you think of screen yeah even on the posters she's like the f person in the front right she's in this movie for maybe seven minutes yeah yeah um and then just to blow through the rest of them we got matthew lillard uh as stewart i always think of him from summer catch and shaggy from scooby-doo he's shaggy a of fucking course. meal of a performance from matthew lillard oh yeah he was going in acting showcase from matthew lillard Truly. spitting bubbles and shit yeah he apparently has been interviewed and said multiple times that he's 
he hates his performance in this movie. Oh, really? Yeah, which is a shame because I think he fucking crushed it. He's like that friend that you knew growing up where you're like, this guy's funny and he's the life of the party, but like, I don't really trust him. He's like so spontaneous that like he'd yeah. probably kill somebody. Haha. <laughs> but like, this guy's really fucking unhinged and it, it, it reads. Yes. It's great. It is a product of the 90s too. A lot of the comedic actors at that time, more was more. Yes. And so there's like a Jim Carrey ish energy oh, yeah. to it that you feel like he's kind of doing a Jim Carrey impression. Yeah. But it all felt truthful. Like the movie is shot beautifully. Let's just say it that. Is. Like it's yeah. beautifully shot. I'm like, okay okay, they pulled it out, an Ari Alexa and a perfect lighting. Like a lot of horror movies are lit terribly. So true. Mm -hmm. Even though he's playing it big, he is truthful the entire time. Like I never got taken out by him. Whereas Neve Campbell Agreed. a couple of times, you're like, Ooh, yeah. 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 Speaking of the movie being shot beautifully, fun fact, the color palette inspiration for the movie was taken from the famous painting, The Scream. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. Also, this is really stupid, but I had never put two and two together until seeing this movie that like scream is a double entendre to mean like screaming in horror and like it's going to be such a scream to do it like a fun time. Oh. Interesting. Oh, I didn't know this that. This whole movie is so meta. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's horror that's good that's also commenting on horror with also just some slapstick thrown in. Like, why not? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like winking the whole time. Mm-hmm. And then just to, I'll just do the uh, Jamie Kennedy, the Fonz, of course, Henry Winkler. <laughs> and then one more fun fact is Roger Jackson, the guy who does the voice, the cast didn't know who it was. So they wouldn't let him meet the cast at all. And he had to do everything through a phone. And isn't he a voice on the Powerpuff Girls? He is. He's the voice of Mojo Jojo. Insane. Did you do Rose McGowan? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I I just felt like I was doing a lot. Yeah. And Rose McGowan uh, from Charmed and Jawbreaker. There's just a ton of people in this movie. Like, there's a lot of people I felt like I had to leave out because there's so many people to talk about. She was like the infamously terrible friend in every 90s movie. Facts. Wasn't she the first person to speak out majorly on For Me Too? Really? She definitely was raising her voice in a big way. Yeah. She was one of the loudest. Loudest Me Too voices, I believe. And this movie was produced by the Weinstein brothers. That's what I was going to ask. Was it yeah. about? I don't know mm. if it directly connects to her experience on this film. I wouldn't be surprised because every scene she's in, her nipples are fucking the star of the show through her clothing. So a full paparuni, like a full <laughs> like Madonna, Jennifer Aniston and friends. Like, yeah, yeah, like wow. It, it's just you can tell it was the most male laden producing and creative team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stacked cast, without a doubt. Some of the most 90s of 90s stars. Also, funnily enough, some other actresses that were thought of to play Sydney were Melissa Joan Hart, Brittany Murphy, other actresses that auditioned for the role. uh, Reese Witherspoon was considered, as well as Tori Spelling, which I think is funny because there's a line in the movie dissing Tori Spelling when she's talking about like the movie of her life he's like yeah I see you as young Meg Ryan she's like with my luck I'd be it'd be Tori Spelling playing me I wouldn't be surprised if they like cast Tori Spelling and then kept that line in there as like even more (laughs) meta like they just are yeah there's celebrities talking about celebrities in a movie that talks about a million movies so why don't we I got no creative segue. I'm going to read these reviews. Let's do it. (laughs) Some mixed reviews on this one. And I think it's because, as we've said, like this movie is so niche. Like it is 
not exactly horror and not exactly comedy, but it is both in an intense way. John Hartle at the Seattle Times writes, the picture is so full of cross-references, self-mockery, and movies within movies that it can't help turning into a precious two-hour in-joke, like inside joke. <laughs> See, I don't know, because if you're going to this movie because you love horror, you're going to get the jokes. But if you're just like going on a date or whatever, just to grab the dude's arm next to you or girls, I can see how it's a lot of like winking, making jokes at itself that like you're not necessarily going to get. It helps in hindsight to know what it is, which I, I think that in the first weekend it bombed kind of. So in the second weekend, it just kept getting more and more popular. I think probably that helps because if you think it's a scary movie purely, you might be disappointed because it's not but if you heard from a friend like you got to see this movie it's like i can't really describe it it's kind of a scary it really is scary but it's kind of funny like then i think mm -hmm. you're more set up for enjoying it there's two things going on right there's this like meta examination of all horror films happening at the same time that there's a horror movie about a killer that loves horror movies mm -hmm. so yeah the level of meta i don't think is exclusionary though i think it's fun for those who don't know and those who know yeah if you're aware of the wink, you enjoy the wink. Yeah. Somebody who was winking right along with this film, our good friend, Roger Ebert, gave this movie three out of four stars. Loved nice. it. Roger loved it. That's fun. Yeah. He writes, Wes Craven's scream violates one of the oldest rules in movie history. It's about characters who go to the movies. The characters in Scream are in a horror film, and because they've seen so many horror films, they know what to do and what not to do. Don't say I'll be right back, one kid advises a friend, because whenever anybody says that, he's never right back. In a way, this movie was inevitable. A lot of modern film criticism involves the deconstruction of movie plots. Deconstruction is an academic word. It means saying what everybody knows about the movies in words nobody can understand. Scream is self-deconstructing. It's like one of those cans that heats its own soup. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, oh Rod. Wow. He just went even deeper in a way that I'm uncomfortable <laughs> with. Yeah, me too. Um, some people who didn't love this movie so much, naturally, are the psychos over on Amazon. The first review, short and sweet, written by Dear Sweet Emily, titled Not Enough Stabbing. The <sighs> review simply reads, less talky, more killy. Wow. How could... It's like, there's a lot of fucking stabbing in this movie. More than I would typically prefer. Yeah, and entrails in the first 10 minutes. Right. Seriously. Just rolling out of her belly. I mean, yeah. apparently they're reading the script and they were like, it's been too many pages since someone died. We should just kill the principal. And like, that was how they decided to do it. I thought that was so great. Me it too. was great. I'm so glad. Yeah, so I don't know what Emily is talking about. Maybe she was being ironic. Maybe. But I mean, there's somebody who was fine with the amount of stabbing, but thought it lacked in other areas in this review titled Politically Correct Slasher Movie. Scream what? brought us little shocks and no nudity. The most popular slasher movies, A Nightmare on Elm Street, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Halloween, and Friday the 13th, all had creative death sequences, which are important to slasher movies. They also brought us very shocking material and often nudity. Unfortunately, the 90s were a politically correct time where many slasher movies were nervous about showing gore, nudity, and such else. Scream my respect for delivering a reignition of the genre, but it doesn't deliver what the 80s crowds went to see. Nudity. Wow. So they're saying they're not brave enough? 
I think they're just basically being like, every good scary movie shows some boobies. It's sexism couched in a genre critique. A hundred percent. Very yeah. good. Yes, very was good. Was the alias I am a Slytherin on this person's <laughs> username? I was fully expecting to see boobies. <laughs> Me too, actually. Yeah. I thought we were going to see Nev Campbell's at some yes, point. Yes, they yeah. really make it seem or like Tatum. you're about to. Yeah. I mean, Tatum's we basically saw through her clothes. Yeah, but like I'm an adult. So I didn't care about it. Right, <laughs> right. right. Who is this person? <laughs> I kind of liked it better that it wasn't going for cheap thrills. It was just like well done, building suspense in a really intense way. Like it didn't right. need it. Yeah. Didn't the score win some awards too? It's like regarded as one of the so. best horror movie scores. The music yeah. made this movie so fucking scary. It was yes. unreal. Like, the, even when the action wasn't scary. They built tension, and just the pacing of this movie was kind of perfect. And it makes sense because Wes Craven can kind of, like, do this in his sleep. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I do think that the sound and the score, I know that it, it's considered now to be a cornerstone. The score was great. The sound mix, I had to turn the subtitles on. I was missing words left and right with these soft-spoken teens. That's right. Me too. These moody, yeah. mumbling Teenagers. Or like, <laughs> you know, it was like yeah. either one or, it was like one or the other. <laughs> I don't watch anything without subtitles anymore. That's how old I am. No, me neither. Yeah, so embarrassing. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I might as well just read the screenplay. Like, I don't know why. Yeah. I'm not looking up. So it's so right. multi-sensorial for me now. Right. Mm-hmm. Give me all the subtitles. Amazing. Well, um, what do you say, fellas? Should we hop on into the plot ski? Yeah, let's do Love it. Love to. We open on a super fun 90s clip art font that says scream with screams in the background. This is also the benefit of making this kind of movie that any of your decisions that could possibly be critiqued as as cheesy or corny you could just chalk it up to like well we're doing a meta commentary on the genre Mm -hmm. any of your perceived mistakes can just be kind of swept under the rug it's great it's like an out for anything (laughs) it's true open on (laughs) a young drew barrymore at home making some jiffy pop picks up the phone and it's this weird male voice (laughs) (laughs) that'll be my last one i just had to get one in the episode who is this (laughs) Uh, she's making her jiffy pop. He calls again. He starts asking her about her scary movies. And she's kind of like actively flirting with this phone stranger at first. Yeah. She's too comfortable. I do think that there was something about that in the 90s where you're like, I'm talking to someone who I haven't heard before. Like, let's make a night of it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not like I'm getting scammed or something. Yeah. It was less traceable, less scary. It was like, oh, I'm talking to a stranger at this business that accidentally called. This is fun. Right. In this regard, I think it's easy. Like, we we can victim blame Drew Barrymore's character. (laughs) Like, she fully goaded the killer into the house. Big time. Big time. She was blonde. She was clearly not a virgin. Yeah. The killer wanted some popcorn. I mean, I wanted some popcorn after that, too. I've never made popcorn on the stove like that. So I don't even know what I'm missing. You've never made Jiffy Pop? No. Okay, I want to stop actively shaming you for all the things you've never done on this podcast because I feel it's like okay. the list grows ever longer. I knock some out every once in a while, though, so it's Put probably it good to keep yeah keep piling it on. Put it Dan's on the list. never seen the ocean. He's never heard the Beatles. <laughs> He's never been inside of a Costco. I don't know how we let him on the pod, but good point of view. He's got a. Good it's point of view. true. He's got a that innocent, like untouched by the world, fresh perspective. Well, Douglas, is yeah. there something that you've never experienced that you feel like everyone has, and you're 
Oh, I've never been on a cruise. A lot of people have been on a cruise. I, as we discussed on our Almost Famous episode, I have never eaten Taco Bell. Yeah, has that changed since the Almost Famous episode? Did you run out and get a chalupa? Did I suddenly decide I wanted violent diarrhea? No, it hasn't changed. That since is what that I was episode. talking about. Yeah. Fascinating, Jazz. It's fascinating. <laughs> Call me crazy. It's uh, fantastic. <laughs> and you'll have it someday. You just got to meet the right guy. I have a very sensitive tummy, as you might be able to tell, oh, right. because I'm very cute. Right? <laughs> right, right. Hot girls and stomach issues. Yeah. Drew Barrymore is about to have her own set of stomach issues because she's getting fed up with this guy who keeps calling her. Well, he tells her that he's looking at her. So, of course, now she finally gets freaked out. Bitch starts running around locking all her doors. I'm like, why were all of your doors unlocked? Every single door in your house was unlocked. She goes to hang up and he's like, listen, you little bitch, hang up on me again and I'll gut you like a fish. And now she is fully sobbing. Fun fact. It's not fun, I but it this. is a fact. Yeah. Craven said that Barrymore's performance in the film is a result of her putting a, quote, enormous amount of trust in him. Before filming, she cried while telling him about a story in the newspaper that involved a dog being set on fire by its owner. So while they were shooting this film, Wes Craven kept saying to her, I'm lighting the match as a way to trigger her to have an emotional response. That stuff gets kind of dicey. Like, did you ever hear about the filming of The Shining? Shelley Duvall puts on this amazing performance because she was getting emotionally abused by Stanley Kubrick just every single day until she had a breakdown. And it's like, well, I got a great performance out of you. It's like, at what cost? I'm so disappointed. Yeah. (laughs) Not in the Drew Barrymore story because it worked and it was like a one day thing. But the the Kubrick story. Yeah. Also, an actual fun fact. The props master forgot to disconnect the phone line during this scene. So Drew Barrymore actually called 911 several times, was sobbing into the phone and hung up. Whoa. And finally, during one of the scenes, they called back and they're like, why is this prop phone ringing? It's like, okay, you need to stop fucking calling the police. Must have been an active home. Yeah. You know, must have been a real home when they were not shooting in it, as opposed to an inactive That's home. That's right. They <laughs> Where people don't live. <laughs> Anywho, she's like, all right, my boyfriend's going to be here any second, and he's going to beat your ass. And he's like, he wouldn't be named Steve, is he? <gasps> We turn on the patio light. Steve is duct taped and bloodied, tied to a chair. And the only way she can save him is if she plays a little game with him by answering scary movie trivia. Who would want to die while being stressed out about not knowing things that aren't that important? Right. What if you said you'd bow to the hippogriff and then your significant other gets stabbed? Instead of patting its beak and then you get killed for that. Yeah. Happens all the time. (laughs) In this episode, can we talk about things with the knowledge of how it ends? We don't don't need to like save this twist, right? I mean, spoiler alert. How do we feel, Doug? Do we want to reveal the ending Let's do it. Did they like take a break from killing people? I guess what I'm asking is like they killed her mom, right? Then they waited till like a few days before the anniversary of her mom dying. It's vengeance for Billy's mom. Mom leaving leaving. Oh, no. I'm asking why he kills Drew Barrymore. That's a really good question. No idea. No idea why he kills Drew Barrymore. Did they just like, we haven't done this in a while. Drew Barrymore was dating Matthew Lillard's character. Oh, okay. There you go. And then breaks up with him for Steve. Oh. There we go. Okay. Yeah. So maybe in an attempt to like 
make it a killing spree that doesn't seem so deliberately connected to the anniversary of Sydney's mom's death. They're like, we're just going to kill a bunch of people so that it just seems like there's a killing spree, not just like... I buy it. They're yeah. smarter. I mean, I think it's just Billy, but his like strategy is pretty smart. Yeah. Yes. Mostly. All right. Anyway, Sorry for jumping okay. that gun. I just... No, I, it's cool. I, but that makes sense now. I'd forgotten about that. Okay. They're playing trivia, the scariest game of all, and... <laughs> The question is, what's the killer's name in Friday the 13th? She gets it wrong. She turns on the patio light and Steve's guts are fully out. It's, it's really brutal. cool. The special effects in this movie are awesome. So good. They're really gross. They're gross, but they also don't luxuriate in the shots for too long. So it's like, it's foul, but it's quick. Yep. Yeah. You see just enough. I, I'm glad they give you some gore to chew on. Because when it's just suspense, you're like, hey, I can handle it. It's like yeah, edging right. for like two hours. Suspense is edging for gore. <laughs> Correct. Jazz Zapata. <laughs> That's Jazz's solo career after uh, she comes out with planting. Gore edging. Yeah, gore edging. Gore edging. I think it's kind of silly the way that the killer moves. Like it can get kind of silly, but I like the kind of like scrambling of it all. It's such chaos. You know, he's just almost getting her and she's like flying around the stairs and it's all sloppy. It, and... Yeah, it looks like somebody who watched a, a bunch of horror movies and then was like, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> right, right. And then just yeah. like tries his best. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, to speed through the rest of this opening. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Dude throws a chair through the window, is chasing her around the house. She runs out and we see him lurking around the kitchen. A car comes up the drive, which gives you so much hope. Like her parents literally come home at the nick of time to save her. But as she starts running, dude jumps out the window, catches her, stabs her as she's like calling for her parents like 10 feet away, but like can't really get the sound out. He's just slicing and dicing. Eventually the parents wander outside and the mom lets out like the perfect blood curdling horror movie scream. Definitely. And we find Casey strung up in a tree with her guts just. That was the scariest part for me when she was trying to call out for her mom and she couldn't oh, get the, because yeah. it's like I've had that dream in some form or another in so many ways. The lack oh, yeah. of control, the lack of being able to get the sound out is just painful. I hate just it. Painful. I can't scream in real life. I don't think I've ever and tried. I can yell. But I didn't know this until I was on set for a film I was doing. And they were like, great, now you scream. And I like, couldn't. <laughs> Jazz, I would have bet my life savings that you could do like a great horror scream. A I'm really surprised. Queen. Yeah. Just sex sounds. Oh, okay. Screaming is a skill. It is. It is a separate thing. Yeah. And to do the falsetto thing without hurting your voice like i can angrily yell but to really like do a blood curdling scream it's like something you would put on your special skills big time you just assume it's a given because you've seen so many people and women and so many women in movies do it <laughs> right so many people in women do they scream all the time yeah. in yeah. little women so many people <laughs> in little women putting out blood curdling screams timothy right. chalamet was screaming the whole time in that movie that's true yeah that's a wrap on Drew Barrymore. Cut to Sydney's room. This girl's mother was brutally murdered. And y'all are just with your doors unlocked and your windows open in the nighttime. Like, get it together, women. This is like the logic of the time for like trauma. Everyone wants them to get over it in like two weeks. It's so right. unreasonable. Yeah. There were so many times where she's like, I guess I really just seem to stop ruminating about this. It's like, no. <laughs> no. No. Take your Literally time. Literally never. Yes. 
You will never be over yeah. this. Let's just make that clear. So poor Sydney, she's in her room. She hears something so naturally. She sticks her whole head and upper body out the window. Like a psycho, a man jumps out at her. But it's just Billy, just Billy. her boyfriend. Just Billy. No big deal. Hot guy name of the 90s. She screams. Of course, her dad comes running to check on her. Reminds her that naturally... He's going out of town. Billy sneaks in and is just like, yeah, I was watching The Exorcist and it made me think of you. And he got all hot and bothered and wanted to come. Yeah, that's when you knew, Jazz. Oh, <laughs> hands down. And then he's like, yeah, you know, it was edited for TV and cut out all the good stuff. Kind of like you and me. <laughs> Such a good segue. It's like a jazz segue. Yeah. <laughs> he was very pushy sexually. He was movie. such an asshole. And I mean, granted, more than just the standard level of asshole, obviously. Men do better. Do better, Billies of the world. <laughs> you get the sense that like his girlfriend's been holding out on him. We don't exactly know why just yet. But he's like, can we do some over the clothes stuff? Immediately tries to get under her clothes. And then she like sends him off and she's like, well, I appreciate the romantic gesture. Of what? Of you creeping into my window and feeling me up when I've basically told you no. Yeah, that was brutal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at this point in the movie, I really had trouble like disconnecting Scary Movie because in Scary Movie, he's the, well, they think he's the killer. Wait, no. Is he the killer? Because he's sexually repressed. And then in this movie, it has nothing to do with his motive. So why did they have that part of it? I don't know. So basically, they make everybody seem like a suspect. And I think right, they are right, making right. Okay. Billy feel like a suspect. And the only thing you can think of is like, well, his girlfriend won't have sex with him. So right. he's angry right. with her or some, you know, something like that. Really, the biggest twist of it is his motive. It's not even that it's him. Right. Right. It's the surprise that he wasn't on 4chan this entire time. <laughs> <laughs> he was big on Gab. Yeah. Yeah. Next day at school, Sydney shows up. And there are news crews everywhere. Courtney Cox is in this unreal highlighter yellow skirt and blazer. Just from the moment you see her, you're like, okay, she's a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Giving full Cherry O'Terry level of like oh, character. Yeah. Big yeah. time. And basically, like, Courtney Cox had to beg to be in this film because everyone saw her as such, like, a likable character on Friends at the time. That was her entire career. She basically had to call up Wes Craven and was like, listen, I can be a huge bitch. Is Monica that likable in Friends? She's likable and neurotic, but she's not a bitch. You know no, what I mean? that's true. Yeah, that's true. Eh, sometimes. But, but it's not, she's not like America's sweetheart. <laughs> you know, I don't know. That's... No. So her BFFL Tatum, played by Rose McGowan, comes up and tells her all the gory details. Tatum is like the worst fucking friend ever on so many levels. But right out the gate, like we know that they're hinting like this is the worst crime since dot dot dot. And we've come to find out shortly after that it's Sydney's mother less than a year before, was brutally raped and murdered. This is all naturally very triggering for her. You would think maybe her bestie would try to like shield her a little bit from it or something, but she walks right up to her and is like, yeah, their fucking guts were out everywhere. Like she has no, there's no subtlety with her. I mean, she seems kind of ride or die, but not sensitive in, in any way, really. No tact. No, tactless. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That night, like, Sydney's spooked. She's going to pack a bag to stay at Tatum's while dad is out of town. She's scanning the TV, and we see Courtney Cox reminding us of the brutal slaying of her mother. Again, you'd think, good friend Tatum, your best friend is scared for her life. She's very triggered by this her past trauma. Tatum shows up, like, 40 hours late. And in the interim, we get a visit from the ghost face killer. Ghost face killer. <laughs> That's the actual name of it. 
but they only reference it once in the film. I never put two and two together. Sydney now gets a phone call from the killer and he's messing with her, asking her about her favorite scary movies, says he's on her front porch. This bitch is like, I'm going to call your bluff and goes outside. Yeah, this is a character whose mom was brutally murdered less than a year ago and she can still say that. Yeah, she's got balls. Yeah. She does not believe him. She's like, if you hang up on me, you'll die just like your mother. And then she's like, oh, shit's real. She runs inside and the killer jumps out of the coat closet with a knife. I don't know how he got in there. Well, he could climb through the window, I suppose, right? Yeah. He's done it before. Yeah, right. He's a window guy. (laughs) He tackles her. They're wrestling. He smashes her head on the ground and goes to stab her. But she kicks him off. She runs upstairs, just like she said all the big-breasted bimbos do. She calls (laughs) the police from her, like, super old computer. Oh, my God. Yeah, what was that typing in 911 on a computer kind of analog screen i was like are you sending them a fax like what's going on yeah i'm yeah. really confused about how that technology works because then she had to answer questions like it's kind of like a chat bot right right the guy's literally behind her yeah right swinging through that door he definitely could have made it through that door i know like we're supposed to yeah. suspend belief yeah. but like she pushed a door to stop a door <laughs> right that doesn't work two doors cancel each other out that's right <laughs> right <laughs> She turns back again and he's gone. Billy shows up at the window. She's like, there's a killer. The killer's in the house. He's creepily calm and drops a portable phone. And she's like, oh, fuck no. She runs away from him to the front door where David Arquette and the police are waiting with the mask. They arrest Billy. And I was like... This is too simple. I had the same feeling. I was like, oh, shit. Like, how long have I been watching this movie? Like, is this it? Right. (laughs) And I was also like, wait, so he's not the killer? Then he can't be the killer, but also he's got to be the killer. There's no fucking way this guy isn't the killer. Tatum finally fucking shows up. This bitch. And it turns out David Arquette, he's kind of like a dopey cop in the town. He's just been put on the force. Everyone is consistently fucking with him. Nobody takes him seriously. Least of all Tatum, who is his sister. So possibly least of all himself. God, come on, man, back yourself in the gutter. Yeah, he's got no balls. Which is why Courtney Cox married him, I guess, after she saw his uh, gravitas. She likes to wear the pants. Nothing Nothing wrong wrong with that. that. No. They're all at the police station. Billy's being questioned. His dad is there. He's denying everything. And they're going to hold him until they can check on the phone bills. They're trying to get a hold of Sydney's dad, but they can't find him, which is highly suspect. Courtney Cox is still in that horrific outfit trying to get into everyone's business. As they're leaving, she like gets up in Sydney's face. And Sydney's like, how's the book? Bam. Knocks her out. Just punches her straight in the face, which is awesome. Hell yeah. It was such a good moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You could only imagine how that would be received in a packed theater. Everybody being like, yeah. Yeah. In the 90s, to watch any cast member of Friends get punched in the face was probably like a little bit fun for people. I do think that people kind of forget about the community aspect of a theater when like weighing their options, whether to go to the theater or stay at home. You can't experience like a crowd cheer by yourself. It's it's yeah. it's invaluable. It's so fun. It's a shared moment. It's a shared emotional thing amongst people with you know, with strangers, you know? Do you think that seeing a horror movie is the best movie to see in a theater? I guess genre. I don't do it. So oh, I don't okay. know. <laughs> Douglas? Uh I haven't seen that many, but the ones I have seen are fantastic to see in a theater. I think I you might be onto something in terms of it being the best genre. They're probably the most effective, right? Yeah. Like yeah. it's the most intense way you can experience it. Like I very purposely watch the show at home with in the daytime to water it down. <laughs> so <laughs> That's smart. I was right before I fell asleep last night. It really 
That's not a good idea. Oof. Oh, Doug, you're so brave. If I had one piece of advice for our listeners out there, I, Jazz, you have to know this about me, but my favorite movie ever is Paddington 2, and my favorite <laughs> experience do. ever is going to see Paddington 2. I think that going to see a kid's movie with a bunch of kids that are going to laugh at all the jokes, that's the best theater experience ever. That's really sweet. Paddington's like washing the window with his butt, and the kids are like, oh my god, this is the funniest shit ever. I'm losing my shit. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, it really is. It's so funny. Like, Those are some worldly <laughs> children saying, I'm losing my shit. <laughs> This is the funniest shit I ever seen. <laughs> Can't wait till I tell my pops about this. <laughs> You'll never believe it, pops. This bear was washing a window with his bare ass. Oh, bare ass! It's a bare ass. <laughs> I How mean... charming of you! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So Thank good. you. So I knew you were good. craving a pun. <laughs> Hey. Doesn't take much on this podcast. Uh, here's my comedy card. You can <laughs> oh, thank That's you. And the comedy points. Yeah. <laughs> UCB is revoked your membership. That's yeah, more what I was getting at. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I wasn't even good. Dan's like, yeah, it's I was really ready good. to give you twelve. Yeah, well, really good stuff. Yeah, here's your points. <laughs> Three more, and you get a free class show. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we're back at Tatum and Dewey's house. We know a killer is calling up people and fucking with them. But of course, 90s parent alert. Mom comes in the room and is like, Sydney, dear, there's a strange man on the phone for you. It's not your dad. Whenever you're ready. She goes to pick up the phone. It's the killer saying that she got the wrong guy again. We learn shortly after that Sydney's testimony led to the conviction of a man named Cotton sentencing him to death for her mother's murder the next day at school she approaches cox and it turns out that cox wrote a book i gotta stop calling her cox but i don't yeah, remember I what threw me for a second um, like a true slither and you're like cox, yes. Courtney cox. cox and <laughs> gail weathers turns out wrote a book about Sydney's mother's murder trial. And in it, she calls Sydney a liar and says that Cotton was innocent. So now Sydney is starting to question whether or not she really knew the truth after all. If she's wrong, it means that her mom cheated with Cotton and she's having trouble coming to terms with the fact that her mom is maybe imperfect, a.k.a. the town hussy. Yeah, I feel like Gail Weathers was giving me huge Rita Skeeter vibes, too, the whole time. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like a shitster. Big time. But, like, as you go on, you realize, like, she actually is, like, a good investigative reporter. Even though she's, like, kind of ruthless in her methods, she is getting to the truth. And she had, you know, the whole thing with Cotton kind of pegged. Fun fact, like as Sydney's walking over to Gail, she's like getting hounded by reporters that are like saying really outlandish stuff. It's like, how does it feel to have almost been slashed to pieces? <laughs> That's like literally verbatim. That reporter is played by the same actress who played the little girl who gets possessed in The Exorcist. Linda Blair? I think so. Whoa. Yeah, Linda Blair, who played that. possessed yeah. girl Reagan in the 1973 horror classic, makes a brief cameo as an obnoxious local reporter. Meanwhile, Sydney is kind of starting to spin out. Like, are these crimes connected? Also, where the fuck is her dad? Also, as we've seen in many of the 90s movies set in the 90s that we've covered, kids in the 90s were fucking brutal. Two of their classmates have been carved up, and these kids are running around the halls in the scream costume. Yeah. Just like, oh, it's just a joke. Savage. These are like the most cruel kids I've seen so far. The mask thing, but talking about her mom and how she's like a slut, it's like over the top cruelty and maybe i 
I'm giving kids too much credit, but like, are people really like that? I don't. It, it's really over the top. I feel like high schoolers are. Yeah, they're they're brutal. Yeah, I guess so. But yeah, Sydney is like clearly traumatized. Um, she's running through the halls and she bumps into Billy. He's like, "See, it couldn't have been me. You know, I was in jail last night when you got called." <laughs> And she's like, no, I know. I'm just like kind of messed up. You know, I'm just feeling a lot of feelings naturally. He's like, look, bitch, you haven't fucked me since your mom died. It's time to get over it in so many words is what he says. I'd be surprised if that wasn't verbatim. It's pretty much that. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. And I wonder if the response to this moment was quite as strong in the 90s as it is now. Like we can look at that scene and be like, are you fucking serious? But I wonder back then if people were like as upset (laughs) about it. Like you think the percentage of people that were on Billy's side being like, yeah, you should really give him some has plummeted. Yes. They probably knew he was a jerk, but they probably weren't as appalled. And like even throughout this, Sydney is like making excuses for him in the movie being like, but he's right. Like I haven't slobbed on his knob since my mom got choppity choppity. Yeah. (laughs) Is that from the first draft of the screenplay, (laughs) Jess? It was actually from, so the screenplay, he had originally written it as a one-act play. So it must have been from that script. That line was also absolute fire, by the way. <laughs> Screams pop, the up. New York theater scene. obbity on his knobbity-bobbity. <laughs> Doug, at any time, if you want to showcase your freestyle skills, let's do by it. all means, let's go. I will be a great spectator in all this. <laughs> oh, you know it would be really hot if she put out Sydney Prescott. Yeah, yeah because that, it's getting yeah. really silly, a little killy from her boyfriend, Billy, but then there's also uh-uh, Stu. Uh-uh. What he do? Let's get back to the plot, cause it's true. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. Wow. I just want to say I listened to your podcast. I don't know how. And Jazz, you are so great too. I don't know how the fuck you guys do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird skill. Yeah, we'll hype up Dougie's podcast more at the end of the episode. So don't go anywhere. He hosts an incredible podcast that I had the honor of being a guest on recently. And his freestyle skills are so unreal. And witnessing it in person is wild. Like he goes somewhere else. You're gassing me up, Jazz. Thank <laughs> he you. He rides on the You're wind crazy. of You're his crazy. mind. Also, he is currently my level one freestyle rap teacher at this moment. Oh. So I'm learning from the best. <laughs> North Coast Improv classes. Let's Go, Jazz, you're crushing it, by the way. It's so great to have you in class. How many levels are there? Uh, Well, we have like four levels for virtual freestyling and four levels for, I I think we've only gone up to three at any given point, though, for hip-hop improv. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the hip hop improv is what we teach. We we don't offer any standard improv classes right now. But yeah, hip hop improv is what we do. So uh, get on our mailing list if you maybe want to take so a class cool. one day. Yeah, we'll put it in the Love show it. notes. We will yeah. put it all over the, the notes. show notes. So these kids are running around the school dressed like a murderer. Henry Winkler, the principal, expels two kids on the spot. And he's like the only sane, grounded person in this film. Until he dies, yeah. Until until he's not a person anymore. His death was cartoony as hell. Yeah. Right. But he's just like, you kids are fucking insane. He is like being kind of stabby with them. And then you're kind of like, wait, is he the killer? Yeah. 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 That's clearly very much on purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, In the bathroom, Sydney hears girls gossiping about her being like, maybe Sydney killed Casey in a jealous rage. Maybe she's a slut just like her mother. She's obviously 
very upset. I was really expecting to see that cheerleader bitch get murdered shortly after. Me too. But Me too. No such luck. <laughs> she had the makings of the girl who would get killed in this film. Would have been but... a perfect moment for nudity. <laughs> right. She would just like her boobs would have come just falling out of her little uniform, and just like the good old days. <laughs> even when Sydney flashes Billy, they don't even show her boobs in that moment. Yeah, they cut away. They don't. They don't. And good for them. The movie is good enough on its own. Anyway, she's in the bathroom really upset. She hears her name being whispered and the killer jumps down off a toilet and tries to attack her. Shit is so fucked up. This guy's everywhere. She is so good at evading, by the way. She really is. Yeah. almost gets killed like 40 times in this movie. And it's because she is the smart and sassy brunette and we always live to the end of the film. That's a good point. Except we haven't talked about this yet. The screenplay was based on actual serial killer who only killed brunettes so that's right the screenplay aka the one act play was partly inspired after kevin williamson watched a late night tv documentary about a series of grisly real life murders committed by the convicted serial killer danny rowling aka the gainesville ripper Uh, he embarked on a murder spree in gainesville florida in august of 1990 where he killed five university students after sneaking into their apartments i also watched this during the day but i wanted to be scared so i learned as much as i could about that killer before putting it on because i wanted to try to amp it up a little bit and it it worked i was like oh right this is this shit really happens oh so fucked up so yeah she evades the killer classes are canceled for the whole school (laughs) matthew lillard is just terrible like this whole time he's just not taking any of it seriously he's just like woo classes are canceled party at my house wouldn't it be if tomorrow's classes were canceled you could have a party because then you could stay out really late like it, it makes no difference that you don't have school today whether you could have a party tonight Right. I don't think they were like, you're coming back tomorrow. I think they were just like, classes are suspended until we figure out how to get this murderer out of the bathroom. Right. Like what happened with COVID where it's like, oh man, we don't have work for two days. Like, oh my God, the world is ending. (laughs) Except this time, the killer was the one wearing a mask. Whoa. (gasps) That's the uh, cold open. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's all coming together. Anyway, it becomes very clear very quickly based on the music alone that Henry Winkler is now being stalked by the killer and he's looking around the office and like feels like he's being followed. He peeks out of his office and the janitor is there. The janitor, if you didn't notice, is dressed like Freddy Krueger and is actually played by Wes Craven. Cool. I saw him credited as janitor, but I didn't know that that... Okay. I didn't know that. It's just pretty cool that like Wes Craven is essentially poking fun at his own movies too. This whole thing is not just like a scathing review of other directors who are making lesser films. He's like, no, I'm part of this whole world. It's ridiculous. Big time. That's great. So we figured out why, what we think our hunch is about Casey being killed, right? What would be the motive for killing the principal? Right. He just gave you time off school. Wouldn't you be like loving him for that? Maybe it increases Um, his chances of being caught because everyone's out of school and they have, everyone has more time on their hands to that could look be it. Oh, if we, if we kill the principal, we definitely won't go back to classes tomorrow so we can have a party tonight. I well, guess. This might be out of left field, but okay, so he expels those two students. So maybe they kill the principal to be like, Maybe it was those two students who were the killers. Mm. You know, they're trying to frame a bunch of different people. Is that 
too. Yeah. Again, they could just know. be like, let's mix it up a little bit, not make it too obvious, you know. Or they just kill him because they need to stick a knife in someone's stomach every 10 pages. Exactly. Everybody seems to hate yeah. this guy. Like, I, I, they don't make it seem that way. Like, he doesn't act in a way that makes him be like, man, this principal really sucks. Somebody's going to take him out. When I saw Henry Winkler died, I was like, wow, I really, really thought that they were going to have something where he, like, knocks into a jukebox and it starts playing, like, <laughs> just as a nod to that he's Fonzie because he has a in one, everything two, three, he does. Clock, four o'clock, rock, <laughs> right. six, oh my god, that would have been epic. So Tatum is telling Sydney that there's again shittiest friend ever telling Sydney that there's been a lot of gossip going around town about her mom whoring it up with Cotton Weary. And the killer is just like lurking in her yard. There is something kind of funny about the fact that like this guy is just in this full ghost costume kind of like lurking about like a little goblin. Like it's <laughs> so just funny. in broad daylight. Yeah. Also, like when you think of scary movie and he's like on the phone, he's like, can you see me? And it's like little feet are popping out from under the, the couch. <laughs> like, it's so, so funny. like there are so many times in this movie where like he's a tall dude in a full Halloween costume, like following them around the grocery store. Store. No one's got anything to say. I guess not. I don't, uh, it's a weird move. costume. It's so funny. It's just like a gown. Yeah. <laughs> it's so flowy. Like it, it is. <laughs> like when he steps yeah. off the toilet and like you see his shoes and then you see like <laughs> the skirt so <laughs> lower down. <laughs> it's like really pretty, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. He's elegant about it. Anyway, we cut to the what would be a blockbuster and Jamie Kennedy works there. He is talking to Shaggy and he is like. Obviously, Billy did Shaggy. it. <laughs> He's like, obviously, Billy did it. He's got killer written all over him. Maybe Sydney would go out with me now. Yeah, I couldn't put my finger on Jamie Kennedy's character, to be honest. At some points, you're like, this guy's It was a Jamie cr- Kennedy doing a Jamie Kennedy impression. Yeah. It was so bizarre. I was like, yeah. oh, that's Jamie Kennedy? I thought this was Seth Green behaving Playing like Jamie Kennedy. Jamie yes. Kennedy. Yeah. So much so. 1,000%. Oh, there you go. Um, I did it. Everybody drink. (laughs) Doug, one of our listeners recently sent us a drinking game for the podcast. (laughs) Thanks for that, Hazel. Call out to our listener, Hazel. Thank you. Thanks, Hazel. Um, (laughs) So back at the police station, they've tracked the calls from the killer back to Sydney's dad's phone, but they still cannot find him. That's disturbing. Although I literally never for one millisecond thought that it was her dad while watching yeah, me either they would have cast it differently yeah yeah dewey's ordered to stay near cindy at all times so what does he do he immediately drops her off at a huge house party <laughs> courtney cox is not far behind of course like clockwork billy shows up to the party and Sydney's like, yeah, we should talk. I've been feeling really bad about your penis. <laughs> they go up to Shaggy's parents' room and he's like, hey, I'm sorry. <laughs> Still I've getting me s- that you're calling him Shaggy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember his character's name. Stu. He's like, sorry, I've been selfish. And she's like, no, I can't keep wallowing in this grief. I can't keep lying to myself about who my mom was. I'm afraid I'll turn out like her, like I'm a bad seed. That really introduced a whole part of this movie that I did not expect or they didn't really follow up with. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm just afraid I'll be a slut just like my mom. 
and they're yeah. like, all right, here's another killing. It's like, wait, wait, can we go back and talk about that for a second? Right. Like, what Cut to the Weinstein about? brothers giving that as an exec note. Yeah, right, literally. right, exactly. And there is like the through line, of course, of like all the rules of scary movies where it's like, oh, the virgin never gets killed. Mm-hmm. Obviously, her mom was going to die and she doesn't want to have sex and be a bad seed. It's like, you know what? Your mother had sexual desires. She was a, str- a grown ass woman. She went out and got some. I don't think she deserved to die for it. And you can't be sucked into that mindset either Sydney unfortunately you weren't there to give that advice she just had that other shitty best friend that couldn't give that same speech advice back then was like guys don't like girls that don't put out like that was the whole that was all of it in the 90s that's as deep as the conversation went correct that time yeah she's like it just feels like a scary movie and he's like of course this is like a scary movie it's all like a big movie you can't pick your genre and she's like why can't I be in a Meg Ryan movie or even a porno. And he's <laughs> like, what, 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 what? Yeah. They're going to have sex. It, his eyes pop out and his tongue rolls down. Yeah. Right. He's like, now you're going to do it with me? <laughs> yeah. David Arquette and Courtney Cox go to check out an old abandoned car that's been reported down the road. And they're going to walk there. So in that moment, you're like, oh, is this where you thought like, oh, this could Totes. be his moment? Yeah. Totes and goats, yeah. Meanwhile, Billy and Sydney are getting out of business. Downstairs, Jamie Kennedy gets a call that the principal was gutted and hung from the goalpost on the football field. First of all, why are they calling him? No idea. Who's like reporting this to him? <laughs> calling on the landline? Like, we got to tell Jamie Kennedy. Yeah. All like, <laughs> like we mentioned, all the kids are cheering. They're like, let's go check it out. And they run David and Courtney off the road. He falls on top of her. They start going at it in the bushes. They look over and they find Sydney's dad's car in the woods. This is one thing that I thought was a signal that it was gonna be David Arquette. He's like putting his hands all over the car. And I'm thinking way too deeply about this. I'm like, well, maybe he's putting his fingerprints on the car at this moment to be like, that's why my fingerprints are on the car. But then it fizzled out. So it doesn't I can see that. Post-coitus, Sydney asks Billy who he made his one phone call to in jail. And he's like, my dad. What can I do to prove to you that I'm not a killer? That's when I knew. That was the moment that I know. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Meanwhile, the killer bursts in the door, stabs him a bunch of times. Sydney's crying. The killer's chasing her around the house. She falls out a window into a boat. Then she <laughs> sees Tatum dead in the garage door. So shit is starting to just spiral out and go fucking nuts. The killers aren't just like regular kids either. They're like master sleight of hand. Like, where did the blood come from? I'm still. That was when I heard the twist. I was like, wait. So how did they fake that stabbing? Really it was curious. definitely like a prop knife. I think. Also, you can't see him being stabbed. I still don't know where the blood comes from. He could be wearing blood packets. Yeah. I mean, if they're horror movie aficionados and they had all this time on their hands, then maybe they planned it out. Maybe yeah. they're doing really poorly in school. Yeah. You know? <laughs> chances are i've been in stage productions before where there are prop knives that the fake blood is inside the handle so when you push the knife interesting okay the blood kind of squirts out of the handle and it like goes in and then pops back out in and out right kind of like a bingo dot markers (laughs) yeah like a bingo dot marker you know the, (laughs) the the blood the prop blood knife it's like a bingo dot marker You'd find Jazz it at Mima's nursing home. Yeah. J11. <laughs> right. Sydney is like running for her life. She sees the news van. The cameraman like opens the door, lets her in. They are watching the live stream of the hidden camera from the living room. Jamie Kennedy is talking to Jamie Lee Curtis yeah. on the TV being like, turn around, Jamie. 
while the killer is also behind him and they're in the van being like, turn around, Jamie. And, it's and then like it's on a 30 cold. second delay. So it's already happened. That was cool. I liked that a lot. The killer is, of course, right there. Slits the poor guy's throat. I'm surprised he's, he lasted as long as he did. Yeah. That bumbling idiot. I thought he was going to die right away. Yeah, so. and she called him a fat tub of lard at one point, and I was like, very 90s fat phobic energy. 100%. Courtney Cox is trying to drive away. Sydney's in the middle of the road. The van runs off the road and crashes. Sydney runs back to the house to get Dewey, and he comes out of the house, but no, he's been stabbed in the back. She gets into the cop car, but the killer has the keys to the car. She gets out of the car. Man, this girl has evaded death so many times. Yeah. She grabs Dewey's gun. Jamie and Shaggy are both like, he did it. He did it. She locks them both out of the house. Billy comes like stumbling down the stairs, like, like falling down the stairs. He's all bloodied. And Cindy's like, oh my God, you're alive. And he's like, it's okay. It's okay. Just give me the gun. She gives him the gun. (laughs) Jamie comes in and is like, Shaggy's gone mad. And he's like, we all go a little mad sometimes and shoots him in the shoulder. And he goes flying backwards into a table. Finally, what we've always known to be the case, duh, Billy is the killer, doy. Billy and Shaggy have been in it together the whole time. Turns out they also killed Sydney's mom. Sydney's mom was fucking Billy's dad, and that's why his mom ran out on him. At this point, I was asking the question that essentially we get asked in the movie what does Shaggy have to do with any of this? I think they were both doing the killings. They definitely were, but it's funny because you expect there to be like a deeper motive for him too. And he's just like peer pressure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a sensitive individual or something. He's just fucking psychotic. Like he'll go along with anything. He's definitely a sociopath. Psychopath, I think. What's the difference again? Sociopath is like most presidents are sociopaths. They're like highly driven, unable to really feel people's pain around them. They see people as right. pawns you have no and stuff. empathy. Yeah, like sociopaths do really well in business because they're able to just step over people. Whereas psychopaths right. like enjoy inflicting pain on people. There's a state of masochism to it. Big time. So they are fucking psychotic. They've watched a lot of horror movies and took notes. We also come to find they've been holding Sydney's dad hostage, trying to frame him for the whole thing, like taking his phone, planting the voice changer on him, all this stuff. But part of the plan is that they're going to make the cops think that Sydney's dad left them for dead. So in order to do that, they have to stab each other. This is probably, for me, the most unhinged, psychotic part of this entire movie. I loved it. So that was good. great. There is something electric about this scene. Skeet Ulrich, like Billy, he wore like a protective vest to prevent the retractable knife from really hurting him. But the second thrust on one of them missed and stabbed him in the chest, it impacted like a wound that he had from a previous open heart surgery. And so the pain that we see on camera is like genuine pain and real danger. He just acted through it. I don't think he was acting at all. No, right. Yeah. Specifically not acting. He's the Shelley Duvall of this film. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's what happened in Jaws. The girl who dies at the beginning, the machine broke a bunch of bones yeah she's not trying to stay in the scene she's trying to tell them no to stop. she's trying to tell them to stop and they just are like man brilliant performance <sighs> unbelievable stanislavski really getting people <laughs> real results in trouble yeah. so they're getting a little carried away stabbing each other meanwhile they go to grab the gun and the gun is missing courtney cox has it 
And she gives this badass speech. Too bad the fucking safety's on. He takes the gun, knocks her out. Knocks her out by just like pushing her. Into like a column <laughs> in the on the porch. Right. He's about to like shoot her. But then they've realized Sydney has escaped with her dad. She calls them and like says she's going to call the cops. Billy starts freaking out, looking for her. And he's like, you bitch, you bitch. Shaggy's coughing up blood. And he's like, you stab me too deep, man. I think I'm dying, man. <laughs> I could have watched a whole movie of this part oh my <laughs> god it is yeah. so deliciously unhinged billy goes looking for her she comes out of a closet in the costume and stabs him with an umbrella in the chest matthew lillard then attacks her and they are straight up wrestling she ends up smashing a TV on his head, which electrocutes him. There's got to be a very obvious metaphor there that I don't really care to. For Something sure. with Columbine and guns control. <laughs> right, right. And, yeah. It's got to be about universal health care in some way. I thought it was just like you watched all these scary movies and uh, now they've definitely killed it. you. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you <laughs> got it. The better one. Thank you. <laughs> oh, did I just name the joke? Got the it. ultimate irony that I was missing. Thank you. Let's Got continue. <laughs> I quit. Um, <laughs> Billy comes to again and attacks her. She sticks a finger in his stab wound. She's like, just the way you've been fingering my wounds for the past year. And he goes to stab her. Courtney Cox shoots him. Jamie Kennedy comes too, and they're all kind of standing over Billy, and he's like, careful, this is the moment where the killer comes back for one last scare. And Sydney shoots him in the head and goes, not in my movie. And you could hear the theater. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like some of these, like, woo, woo, yeah. woo, woo, yeah. woo. They should have played taking care of business oh. right then. Come on, guys. I think that would have been great. And then Shania Twain, ba do da 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 Come on, girl. We close the movie. Courtney Cox is recording live at the scene. I don't know where she found another cameraman. Oh, right. I didn't even realize. Yeah. Yeah, cameraman said. But she's <laughs> recording live at the scene of this bloodbath and the credits roll. End of Grace. Ratings and summation, fellas. Yeah, I was going to say seven stab wounds out of 10 stab wounds. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and Love it. My summation is that it's a classic. I can't wait to watch it again. It's so good. <laughs> and it's campy, trite. It's like junk food, but horror. But mm -hmm. it's just, I love it. I, but next time I need to be cuddled up with my girlfriend because I was alone and it was fucking scary. Yeah. I'm also going to give this movie 7 out of 10. Uh, mine is 7 out of 10 cloned cellulars. Wow. Uh, that's <laughs> nice. My, uh, but I have to say, I, nice. this should be an 8 for me. I've watched it for the first time today. I can't shake like a lot of the movies that have tried to do this afterwards. Like mm -hmm. let's say Cabin in the Woods that essentially took this concept and ran with it. But I think that it was just such a fun watch. I didn't think it was going to be scary at all. I thought it was going to be kind of funny. It's crazy to me that they can make that ridiculous man be scary. That ridiculous man in that costume. And you, you really are scared. And it's gory and it's funny and it never really lets up. It's not like there's not many lulls. I just thought it was a great movie. I can't wait to watch it again too. New Halloween tradition. For real. I'm going to give this movie seven and a half rock hard nips. Wow. I am not a fan of scary movies, but I was able to watch this and really appreciate how smart it was. You know, even for a teen thriller, it knew what it was doing. It was a great comedy. Terry, wickedly funny and aware of itself. I thought it was well cast. The wickedly talented. 
That's, that's exactly, exactly what I was what thinking. I was thinking. <laughs> Please welcome the wickedly talented one and only Adele Dazeen. I didn't know if anyone else was going to get that. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. I was like, how do I say this and not say it like that? The wickedly talented Shaggy Do. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's only one way to end this episode, and that's by us all spitting a little verse on the movie okay. screen. You first, Jazz. Oh, my God. Mm. Really? I know who the killer is. Why don't you? It's obvious, man. It's Shaggy Doo. There's no nudity, but the nips are out. I think I want to be a talent scout for scary movies now. That's right. I didn't have a cow like I thought I might. This movie is scary, but it's smart. You could say it's spooky art. Dan. Guys, I'm serious. I don't think I could do this. That's totally okay. Don't cause a schism. If you can look past this movie's casual sexism, then you'll have a movie that's your fave, and you will not be feeling naive. You'll be raving and raving and watching a lot. You'll be like, man, Drew, that Barrymore at 20 once hot, but that's a little bit wrong to say in this day and age. But you know that movie, it is now all the rage because Scream 1, Scream 2, Scream 3, and Scream 4, man, I want to watch it again and watch it more that's right all right dan you gotta try you have to try one you i'm don't serious even have to, he's gonna have a panic attack you don't have to I, rhyme I, I seriously can't i don't know you're Let's so do scared it over right now. i've never seen you more scared there I, you go. I can't do it he's having a fight or flight response i did doug's nicer than me you could just talk over a beat without rhyming I can't do this. He, he doesn't want to do it. He won't. He's not going to do it. That's I'm okay, sorry. Dan. And I got to go feed my puppy. Yeah. <laughs> Doug's got a puppy to feed. And so does Dan probably. And I've got a hoagie to eat. So, yeah. <laughs> Doug, thank you so much for joining us. It was a blast and a half having you on the pod. You're forever a member of the Millennial Ooh. Movie Club now. I'll be looking for my pin in the mail. Ooh, got to make some pins. Please tell our audience, Doug, whatever you want to plug, where they can find you, what's going on in your world. Sure. You can follow me on Instagram at Douglas Whitick. Or you can follow at North Coast NYC and you can come see me perform on October 21st, 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater. Damn, I want to do that. We just just released new dates, so come check it out. Uh, We love you so much. Love you both. Everybody, love you. Have a spooky, spooky evening. Thanks so much for stopping by. Follow the pod. Give us some reviews. Give us more drinking games. We will totally do them. All right, everybody. Peace out. Keep it spooky, y'all. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Movie Club. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and write us a glowing review. We are millennials. We kind of need the validation. For even more goodies, be sure to follow Millennial Movie Club on TikTok and Instagram. Later Later days. days.